You're listening to the Weed Smart Podcast, where each fortnight we chat about dealing with those pesky weeds. Welcome to another week of the Weed Smart Podcast. This week we're going to be focusing on setting up your harvester for harvest weed seed control. And we'll also be touching on herbicide resistance testing as well and just getting some practical tips on how to collect seeds for testing and getting it right. So we'll get into the details of who we're going to speak to in a little minute. But I'm joined again by my co-host, Pete Newman. How are you going, Pete? Yeah, I'm very well, Jess, and how are you? I'm really good, and yeah, Harvest is starting to kick off now around the country, and so good topical uh, interviews that we've got today, so that's going to be really helpful, hopefully, for farmers and agronomists listening. Yep, yeah. absolutely, Harvest and harvesting seeds for resistance testing. So That's right. Yeah, definitely good topics, and Jess, you've been out in the paddock, uh, and you took the weather with you, I hear. Yes, we did. We went on a trip uh, down to Kojanup and checked in at a few places along the way down south and so really thankful to all those farmers who let us have a chat with them and, yeah, went on camera and stuff. So, yeah, we, we visited quite a few people on our trip. We caught up with a lot of the uh, Weed Smart uh, advocates, Craig Bignall, who was at Weed Smart Week this year, and we also caught up with Roger Newman, Ben Ball, Ben Webb, who's been to our Weed Smart Week events as well. And so, yeah, it was really good, but we did have that stormy weather and it was eight degrees in Kojanup in the morning when we were at Ben Webb's property and he said, oh, do you guys want to get out and see this crop? And we said, oh, we better. <laughs> it's a little bit <laughs> eight tricky. Eight degrees at the end of October at harvest time. That's, uh, it's a bit unheard of, but nuts. yeah. And when you say we, who was with you? I was with our new communications officer, although she's not so new now. She's been with us a little while now, Shannon Barrett, and she was great taking photos and, uh, yeah, doing the video with me, so that was awesome. So we're putting together a new course for our Diversity Era courses, so you might have heard of those and maybe done our pre-em course, which came out earlier this year. That we're going to be putting together a crop competition one, so we're getting footage for that and just some case studies. So, yeah, keep an eye on the WeedSmart website for new information on uh, those case studies and information about the courses. We'll keep you up to date on Twitter and Facebook and the like. But, yeah, yeah, it was good overall. Good one, Jess. And what did you see on those farms? Do they feel like they're getting on top of their resistant weeds problems? They're in the sort of southwest in the good ryegrass-growing country down there. Were those farmers feeling like they were having a win? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, we obviously were focusing primarily on crop competition and, you know, they were doing the best they could in in that regard and, you know, using high seeding rates and, you know, narrow rows where possible and there was some east-west sowing as well. And then obviously they're using other tools as well where possible to harvest weed seed control. And, um, yeah, we we sort of touched on all of the big six and, and most of them were doing something from the uh, each of the big six so that was really good to see so yeah there'll be more detailed videos and case studies to come and you can kind of get a glimpse at each of those farms we visited in the next few months when we start putting that content up on the website but yeah generally really good clean farms and excellent but we are going to get into our interviews for today. Up first, we're going to be hearing from Warwick Holding. He is one of our Weed Smart farming advocates, and he's going to talk to us specifically about chaffed X and setting up your harvester for harvest weed seed control in that regard. But Pete, there's obviously lots of options that you can choose now. Can you just give us a little bit of a brief overview on the important tips in generally speaking for harvest weed seed control? Well, I think with harvester setup, Jess, we a lot of people had to make a big step because Narrow windrow burning was the popular tool and you don't really have to do specific harvester setup for the weeds in that sense because 
you're catching all the straw and chaff, but as soon as we've moved to all of the other tools, which is just the chaff, so chaff cart, chaff deck, chaff line, mm. and the mills, they we're trying to just get just that chaff fraction and, and then chop and spread the straw as normal. And so it, it has meant that we've had to really concentrate on getting that harvester set up to to make sure that we are, one, getting all, as many weed seeds as we can into that chaff line or, or chaff deck or, or whatever the tool is, but also to keep harvest efficiency up at the same time. Yeah, so Warwick is one of the great experts in setting up harvesters in general and now for chaff decks. Uh, and so, yeah, good on you for catching up with him. He's uh, very knowledgeable in this space. He is. All right, let's take a listen and hear from Warwick and his tips. As you're probably aware, here at Weed Smart, we're big advocates of harvest weed seed control. However, getting this right starts with good harvester setup. So today, we're going to be chatting with one of our Weed Smart advocate farmers, Warwick Holding, about setting up your harvester correctly. How are you going, Warwick? Yeah, going well, Jess. And yourself? Yeah, really good. Now, uh, we're going to talk to you today about primarily chaff decks because you've been using chaff decks for a few years now. Can you just give us some general tips for setting up your harvester for harvest weed seed control firstly, though? I guess after the initial setup where we put the um, chaff decks on, that's uh, included fitting the baffle inside, which separates the straw, which stays above the baffle, goes down into the chopper, and then uh, anything below that baffle is um, coming off the sieves, goes down into the chaff deck. So after that initial setup, we generally tend to just uh, operate the machine the most efficient way to get uh, harvest capacity. You don't let too much through onto your sieves, overload your sieves and cause cleaning issues, but then we're also conscious of not trying to put all the weed seeds and you know too much grain out over the rotor as well. So it's sort of a, not specifically targeted at the weeds, but it is targeted to harvest efficiency and that they both sort of work together. Okay, excellent. So we're going to get into some of the specifics here. So what do farmers need to do to make sure they're getting weed seeds in the front of the harvester firstly? I guess one thing to consider is your harvest height. So if you go lower, naturally you're going to capture or harvest or cut any of those weeds that are lower in the, in the, in the crop. Sometimes it's not always practical because if it's a large crop and uh, you're trying to go lower, it's going to reduce your harvest efficiency. But then if weeds are the primary aim in that part of the paddock or that you know that problem area, well, then you might have to consider just to slow down a bit and go lower and to capture more weeds that are lower in the crop. Well, I guess a couple of options I'm thinking about is um, if it's practical in some areas, they, people could consider, uh, as we call it, windrowing or refer to it as warping for weeds like uh, black oats or brome grass or even wild radish that might tend to shed before harvest. If you get that into a windrow, that may then allow you to capture that and harvest that before you lose too many that way. So that was another option. And what about ensuring weed seeds are getting out of the rotor? How do you do that, Warwick? Basically keeping an eye on grain loss monitors. So if you've got grain loss coming from the rotor, you can assume in amongst that there'll be weed seeds lost as well. So you probably tend to run a... Especially in problem paddocks, we don't tend to do it on all paddocks and try to get everything out of the rotor and overload our sieves. That then affects your, um, your harvest capacity. We tend not to do that in the, in the cleaner paddocks. We tend to be trying to, like anyone, get harvest done efficiently. But if we have sort of problem areas or we have time to, to set up things a bit differently, we'll probably put larger gaps, like concaves of larger wires or larger gaps in the concave in, in part of the thrashing area. 
So that'll allow some of some more of the weed seeds and uh, another material to drop down onto the lower sieves to minimise those losses that are you know coming out off the rotor. So we do target that in, in some areas, but we certainly don't target it over every paddock all the time. Okay, and those same adjustments, are they keeping the weed seeds in the char stream as well that you mentioned there with the concaves? Yes, well, if you've got um, putting in the larger wire concaves, there's a large gap there, so there's more material coming down onto the sieves. Once it gets down onto that sieve, any losses or any chaff or any weed seeds or even any grain loss out the back of the machine that comes off the sieves, it has no option but to go on the chaff decks in our case. Or That would be the same with anyone that's using chaff lining. Anything that stays below that baffle would go through the chaff lining or go into the chaff decks. Excellent. And what about specific tips about using chaff decks? What, in your experience, are some things to keep in mind? One thing to keep in mind, if you don't have them, is the suppression of dust for any subsequent summer spraying. If you're on three-metre tram lines or controlled traffic and you're putting uh, chaff lines onto those tram lines, Everyone comments on the dust suppression, so that's a huge advantage before you even consider IWM. But I guess it also enhances that because then you get a greater efficacy out of your spraying because you're not uh, getting that dust effect on the wheel tracks. But as far as setting it up and that for the jar, there's not a lot that we do. We just, they're on there, they've been on there for three years, it's going into our fourth season, and you just ignore them, they just work. That's good to hear. And there are a range of harvest weed seed controls farmers can utilise. Will you continue to use chaff decks into the foreseeable future, Warwick? We will because of they seem to be low cost of ownership and maintenance compared to some of the alternatives. And as I mentioned before, that ability to put that chaff fraction onto the tram lines for the spraying and dust suppression is a big advantage. I guess ultimately we would consider, and we have looked at it, possibility of some sort of uh, weed seed, seed a terminator or a destructor or whatever other word they might want to call it on the back of the machine to, to destroy those seeds rather than concentrating them in a row behind the machine. If we could destroy upwards of 95, 97% of the weed seeds or even volunteer drones coming out the back of the machine, I think that's probably the way we'll all have to go and yeah, we're just sort of watching that space very closely at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And is there anything else that you'd like to mention before we wrap it up, Warwick? Yeah, there's not a lot to be scared of. Many farmers have tried the, the narrow windrow burning with a fair degree of success. If you want to get away from the burning, certainly the chaff lining works well or the chaff deck's a little bit more expensive but certainly work well for anyone that's in uh, controlled traffic or permanent treatment of tracks. But any of the methods that seem to be working well and are worth, worth trying as an entrance step to something that we may learn or a better way to do it in the future. Excellent. All right, well, thank you so much, Warwick. Really appreciate your input. No worries. Thanks a lot, Jess. Thank you very much to Warwick Holding there for giving us an overview of how he sets up his harvester for harvest weed seed control with chaff decks. Pete, what stood out for you in that interview? I really like the way Warwick really talked about how when it's a weedy crop they really do make sure they get everything right they drop the front on the deck they take wires out of the concave they probably you know put a lot more material on the sieve in that sense but they just slow down that bit to make sure they're getting the weeds but also as he said you know you've got to get the crop off so in the in the crops that aren't so weedy they do just maybe lift the front a bit and then 
and get the crop off and don't focus as much on the weed seeds, which I just think is a great compromise, Jess. You know, it's easy for you and I and others to sort of comment and say we always have to you know, maximise weed seed capture 100% of the time, but reality is that crop does have to come off in a timely sense. So I really like the way Warwick sort of talked about um, finding that balance. Yeah, there's definitely that balance to strike, isn't there? All right. Well, thanks again to Warwick. We're going to move right along and talk about something else that's very topical at the moment, and that's collecting weed seeds for herbicide resistance testing. Now, Pete, can you just give us a refresher on why it's a really good idea to consider doing this? Yeah, well, yes, we have obviously herbicide resistance to a range of herbicides, but probably the big one these days is our pre-em herbicides. We're seeing this unpredictable pattern of cross-resistance, and we don't really know uh, what is going to work next year. So it is really extremely useful to get that resistance test now and get that result before seeding next year so that you can pick the best herbicide. It's, It's almost as simple as that, really, just really trying to find out what will work rather than what won't. Exactly. All right, well, shall we get into it? We're catching up here with Dr. Peter Batsalas from Plant Science Consulting. Today we're catching up with Dr. Peter Butsalas from Plant Science Consulting. He's going to give us a rundown on how to collect weed seeds correctly for herbicide resistance testing. Thanks for joining us, Peter. How are you going? Oh, really good, thank you. Now, Peter, before we get into the practical tips for collecting weed seeds for herbicide resistance testing, why is it so important to go through this process in the first place? Yep, well, I think number one is everyone wants to maximise weed control. Farmers, growers are using herbicides to control weeds. That's their number one. That's the obvious, obvious reasons. However, some herbicides just don't work because of herbicide resistance. The weeds have evolved resistance and they're no longer treating the herbicides as a threat. So knowing which herbicides will work and which herbicides don't work is a huge benefit because what it does is it allows growers to choose the correct herbicide for the job. Over the last few years, has there been an increase in people doing resistance testing? Or is it still kind of... No, it's kind of plateaued out. So, no, there are some new people coming on board, but, yeah, it hasn't increased, and I'm really surprised why that hasn't happened because our random weed surveys that, you know, we're conducting throughout Australia through the GRDC are showing that there is increasing resistance, especially what's concerning is resistance to glyphosate and also resistance to some of the new pre-emergent herbicides. Yeah. So knowing if you've got a sniffer resistance there is important because it, it helps, it prompts growers to maybe rethink and change tactics. Yeah, and they could end up saving some money along the way oh, in doing absolutely. that too. So hopefully this, the next few questions that I'll ask you will give people some more confidence in collecting weed seeds to do yep. this testing. So let's get into how to collect weed seeds for herbicide resistance testing and get it right. What should weed plants look like when they're ripe for taking weed seeds for testing, Peter? Okay, well, well if sampling is conducted just prior to harvest, it's highly likely that the weed seeds are all ripe and ready to go. Once they start to change colour, they go into that hay colour, then they're fine. Some people may want to actually try going to the paddock well prior to harvest. So what I generally, for ryegrass, for example, once the the stalk, the seed area starts to change colour into a hay colour, the stem may still be a little bit green. That's okay because the seeds are viable. Similarly with things like wild oats, once the first wild oats from the, the end of the panicle, the top of the panicle, start to go brown, then usually 
Most of the others, the seed may still be in that hard dough stage, but it's okay. And that's the same with uh, barley grass and brome grass. So once they, you see a little bit of changing colour from that green to that hay colour, then weed seeds are ready to be harvested if the grower's in that situation. But generally, just prior to harvest, when everything's just gone that light brown hay colour, all weed seeds are viable. Okay, that's a really good tip. And then you can also do like a thumb test, can't you, like on the seed itself to see if, if it's too juicy? A- absolutely. Yeah, if you squeeze, say, wild oat or seeds that you can actually see, because otherwise with ryegrass you need a, virtually need a microscope to see. <laughs> yeah. If they've got some elasticity in them, which means that they're, they're starting to form, then they are viable. Even more so with wild radish. Wild radish is quite easy because once it starts to segment, then the seed is viable. The longer you can wait, the better will be the vigour of the seed. It will germinate easier. But if you have only got one chance to collect it and the seeds, like the pods are still green but they've started to segment, then those seeds are viable. Although the vigour may not be amazing, but it'll still be sufficient to conduct the testing. Okay, and how many seeds should farmers be collecting for these herbicide-resistant tests? Okay, we actually don't need a lot of seeds to conduct a seed test, but... What is important is to get a representation of either, if you're interested in the you know, a large part of the paddock, it's important to walk like a couple hundred metres and, and collect in a kind of a W pattern. Uh, or if you're interested in a patch, so there's a patch that's been concerning, go to that patch, collect the weed seeds from that, and then the test will definitely reflect that area of the paddock and not the entire paddock. So it, it really depends on, on the situation, and that's why... The sampling is conducted either by the farmers or the agronomists because they know the areas of concern. For us to go and sample, we don't really know where the problems are. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. And what should farmers be using to collect weed seed samples and why is it important? Yep, well, at harvest, they're still quite actively respiring. So popping them in a plastic bag and sealing it is a no-no because they can start to mould, especially fleshy seeds like uh, wild radish or uh, wild oats. So it's important to collect them. If you, if you have like a plastic bag, leave it open or in a bucket. Paper bag is better. But as long as there's airflow, then that is fine. So really anything to start with. But when you send them, we can't start testing till sort of end of November, December. So rushing it to us won't get the results any quicker. So it's worthwhile just perhaps leaving the weeds in a bucket or in a paper bag and I usually, when, when I get green samples, I hang them on the clothesline in a paper bag, actually. <laughs> um, and, and after a couple of days, they're dry. So Very nice. let them dry out and then send them through. You can then send them in a plastic uh, post bag, no problem. Okay, that's gr- a great tip. And is there anything else that people should be considering when they're collecting weed seeds for samples? Anything we've missed, Peter? I think an important thing is also, which I didn't answer your question, is how many seeds to, to send it and with ryegrass, I would say about 50 seed heads is, is plenty because that means that you have collected from several plants. Don't go and collect 50 tillers from one plant because then the entire test will be representative of that plant and not the, the paddock. So really, collect one or two seed heads from, say, about 20 or 30 uh, plants, and that's plenty. With wild oats, just pull some wild oats from about 20 or 30 plants. Uh, the volume, same with brome and barley grass and, and and uh, wild radish. So with the, the larger seed heads, about a ice cream container of seeds loosely packed is plenty. 
For our grass here, about 50 seeds heads is more than enough to conduct a, a quite a robust resistance test. Okay, great, Peter. And I'm not sure if this is a bit of a question without notice, but just to get people over the line, do you have an example of a case study where in a previous testing uh, period you've, you've tested some herbicides and it's changed the farmer's program and saved them money or given them some kind of uh, real benefit that you've kind of been able to follow through? Oh, yep. Occasionally a farmer will, will um, call or especially when I call them for some information and then we discuss what the outcome was. Yes, they have actually changed their, their practice, certainly have. Sometimes changed the crop, but sometimes changed the herbicide. I said that you know, we, we were heading down this, this path and we've, we've monitored changed and now the test has actually showed us that using this particular herbicide at this particular rate would do a good job and they did achieve that in, in the field. Yeah, it's exciting. There's, I think there'd be lots of those stories and hopefully this interview has given people a little bit more confidence to go out there and collect some weed seeds and do the testing because, yeah, like you said, it can really make a difference to your program for the better and make sure you're using herbicides with good efficacy and, yeah, like you said, you might even end up changing your cropping rotations and lots of different things can come out of it, can't it? That's right. So yeah, just another thing that I just thought of is the main source of sending us weed seeds is collecting them from the paddock but there are other sources such as from screenings from contaminated grain we can separate the weed seeds out using sieves and other bits of equipment we have here so really wherever there's it doesn't have to be from standing weeds in the paddock even if the wild oats has shed then you can just they're on the ground they haven't disappeared or barley grass or brome so just scrape some wild oats and might have some other you know, organic matter, it doesn't matter. We'll separate them out, pop them in a bag, and we, we can then do the separation in the lab here. Perfect. All right, thank you so much for all those really helpful tips. Really appreciate it, Peter. My pleasure. Thanks so much to Dr. Peter Butsalis from Plant Science Consulting there, giving us an overview on some real handy practical tips on how to collect weed seeds for herbicide resistance testing. Now, Pete, as we know, there are a few barriers to people doing herbicide resistance testing. What strikes you as one of the biggest barriers to doing it? I think it's taking that sample, Jess. Uh, harvest is a busy time and trying to get the crop off and to get out and walk around in the hot, dusty you know, G-crop mm. and pluck individual ryegrass heads or, or handfuls of radish pods is, it's a it's not a good job and nobody wants to do it and it's sort of, it's often that thing that just doesn't get done because people are super busy trying to get that crop off. So really, you know, maybe it's just a matter of buying a carton of beer for your chaser bin driver and uh, yeah, when giving I'm it to them <laughs> once they've collected a few samples, I don't know. But I think that's the stumbling point. I don't think the cost is an issue. It's a it's a pittance compared to the amount of money that's spent on herbicides, but it's just a matter of finding a way to get that sampling done in an easy fashion. I definitely like the idea of getting a chaser bin driver to do it, Pete. I reckon you're on a winner there. I think that that could be a good strategy for people. Yeah, and it can depend on the paddock too. Sometimes chaser bin drivers are sitting around a bit waiting for the harvester and sometimes they're just going flat out to keep up, you know. So it just depends what the paddock's like and how many harvesters they're keeping up with. But really it just is one of those jobs that I think if you make it a priority you can make it happen. But it's one of those things that often gets pushed to the bottom of the list and then another year goes by without testing being done. Well, Pete, hopefully in putting a bit of a spotlight on herbicide resistance testing the last few weeks, we've encouraged a few more people over the line and they'll get out of the header or the chaser bin and take some samples. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so, Jess. But look, it's a, it's a really great service and it's become... 
becoming more important, as I said at the beginning, with particularly with ryegrass, understanding these pre-ems. And, and also with things like wild radish, we want to keep an eye out for if we do get that first velocity-resistant radish or, or one of those next big problems in wild radish. So certainly worth testing if there's a, a particular problem sp- suspected. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you so much to both Peter Batsalis and Warwick Holding for being our interviewees today. Really appreciate their time. I know it's a busy time of year. And thanks to you again, Pete, for joining me and being my co-host this week. Very topical podcast we had this week. Thanks, Jess. Yeah, great interviews. I really enjoyed them. And yeah, look forward to getting on with Harvest. <laughs>